When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What if I choose to cut off my ear? What the hell happened here? Option 9, tear for tear. What the hell happened here? I'm sure it's not mine, it's just skin. What the hell happened here? Say, what the hell happened here? Say, what the hell happened here? Oh, really? What the hell, dude? Good evening. It's your hosts, Lisa and... Your boy, Matty Eyes. With your favorite from Murderly Network. Eye for an eye. We are here with Eye for an eye. Now, we're doing something a little different today. We have a little bit of a... Not long, but like a little bit of a longer WTH3. Normally these are like 10 minutes, but this one was a little bit more in detail. It's a bit more in depth on this one, yeah. Yes, a little bit more in depth. It's one of those that, I don't know, it's just interesting. It's almost kind of sad, you know what I mean? Yeah, one of those you kind of wish never happened. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's kind of like, what the hell happened here? But also like, damn, like. What happened here? Like what the hell happened so, here? So, let's get into it, Matt. I'm going to let you start because I don't know how to pronounce the last name and I want to see how you do it first. Okay. <laughs> Ready? Begin. Homer Lusk Collier and Langley Wakeman Collier. These motherfuckers were old. This. Okay. So, Homer was born November 6th, 1881. And died March 21st, 1947. Yes, these men are dead. And Langley Wakeman. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Langley was born October 3rd, 1885. And died March 9th, 1947. So these motherfuckers were old. They were two American brothers who became infamous for their bizarre nature and compulsive hoarding. Which is kind of where the WTH3 of all this comes in. Yeah. What the hell? I mean, there's a couple, you know... I, Hoarding is a thing. It's obvious. We know a lot of people. Would that you say like, that's like a disorder, like a act, it like is. a, like I a do. mental yeah, disorder? Yeah, I do. I do believe it is. Yeah. Um, I think that there's definitely. I haven't a watched condition enough there. hoarders to kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's a hell of a it's a hell of a show. I'll tell you what, I've it seen gives it. Gives me panic attacks. Isn't that yeah. like what your job is to go into houses of hoarders? I've been in some, and it's a disgusting and unfortunate situation when people are like really bad because it's just. Ooh. Did you see? I don't sidebar. Did you see uh, Bitsy's snap of in that house yeah. of like a? I, I'm guessing a hoarder or something. I was oh, like, I think vomiting. it was foreclosed and it was just like Oof. abandoned. But yeah, I mean, people are Oof. just yeah, it's bad. Some yeah. places, man. Um, but anyways, so these guys were hoarders. The Collier brothers were sons of Herman Livingston Collier, a Manhattan gynecologist who worked at Bellevue Hospital, and his first cousin, Susie Gage Frost, a former opera singer. Now, as a child, Homer attended public school, 69, PS 69. At the age of 14, he was accepted to the College of the City of New York as a sub-freshman and earned his bachelor's degree six years later. 
Homer and Langley both attended Columbia University, which had just relocated to its present-day Morningside Heights campus. And Homer obtained a degree in admiralty law, while Langley studied engineering and chemistry. So pretty bright-eyed set. Yeah, both of them seemed like they were pretty accomplished, at least in their academics. Yeah. Uh, And then Langley was also an accomplished concert pianist. He played professionally for the first time, actually, and uh, performed at Carnegie Hall. Langley was also a layman of the Trinity Church, where the family had been parishioner since 1697. I know that's going to sound so stupid, but... A parishioner is somebody who, like, is basically, like... A priest? No, somebody who goes to the church and, like, who is, like, an active member. Oh, so just, like, a member of the congregation type Pretty much, yeah. Parishioner's just somebody who goes and is a member. I'll be. I thought it was, like, a... Like Like some anointed position. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was some kind of serious thing. Any any parishioner is anybody who goes and is, like, active within the church. Oh, well, shit. You learn something new every day. So, their dad died in 1923, and he left the boys all of his possessions including items from his medical practice which they brought to their home in harlem now susie collier 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 god help me susie collier died in 1929 leaving the brothers all of her possessions and the harlem brown store or brownstone so unfortunately both of their parents were deceased by 1929 and all of their That's possessions true. were left to these uh, the brothers which yes. I think also started up some, you know, losing your parents isn't easy, and then losing both of them within years of each other is pretty horrific. So now for, now for the next four years, the brothers socialized with others and left their home on a regular basis. They were just your everyday people. Everyone knew them. They were just, you know, townsfolk, you know. Nothing too wild like what they would later be known for. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, they were by all accounts pretty pretty average, and Homer continued to practice law while Langley worked as a piano dealer, which is an interesting profession. Okay. And he had a, a piano dealer. Probably made decent money, though. Yeah, and both of them did teach Sunday school at the Trinity Church, so they were both big in their church, you know, very uh, very about their community and their, their um, religion. So, in 1933, Homer lost his eyesight due to hemorrhages in the back of his eyes, which sounds horrifying and really sad i know my uh, grandma my dad's mom was blind um and so and she had you know terrible health issues so it was definitely definitely not fun to watch it was really sad i mean i mean in her case she was sick and so i think it was kind of the same because of the hemorrhages it kind of really affected his eyesight i mean he went blind and because of that langley quit his job to care for his brother and the two began to slowly withdraw from society. Yeah, it became much more... Recluse. Recluse and kind of... I think at that point, they had been through so much social Mm -hmm. trauma that they really kind of became like each other's support system. And it's one of those things where it's... Like I was saying at the beginning of the show, it's kind of sweet because it's like he dropped everything to help his brother. His brother, you know, suddenly lost his vision. And that's, you know, when you're you're used to life with sight, it, it really changes up your whole entire outlook when that suddenly goes dark. So yeah, it was, they did start to withdraw from society. And as time progressed, the brothers did become fearful due to the changes in the neighborhood. 
Now, the largely upper-class area changed dramatically due to the economic effects of the Great Depression. So this was during that time period, and they were seeing changes within their neighborhood that frightened them. Mm-hmm. Um, they lived in you know, an upper-class area, and now it was starting to go downhill. People were losing their jobs. I think just in general, the Great Depression was a horrible time to live in. For anybody, yeah. Yeah, it, it was just... what your situation was. Yeah, no I good. agree. So, the brothers were also very uncomfortable with the shift in racial demographics. Mm -hmm. As more African Americans moved into the once empty apartment houses that were built near a projected subway route. So, they seemed to be a bit racist. They were, uh, you know, they weren't comfortable with the changing in their neighborhood. Uh, They believed, you know, it was bringing no good. Yeah, well. Which is sad, and hopefully, I mean, that still happens today, yep. honestly, which is horrible. Mm-hmm. This was 100 years ago almost, and, you know, still happens. But you think, do you think our society is moving away from that, or do you think that's still something that we have, like, I think our generation is to some degree, but it's a long it's still, conversation yeah. still to be had. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we don't agree with any of that shit, just to make that clear. Goes without saying. Yeah, you're right. So, when later asked why the two choose to shut themselves off from the world, Langley Langley replied, we don't want to be bothered. So, kind of, you know who it kind of reminds me of? Byron David Smith. Yeah. Where he was kind of like, these kids are bothering me. Yeah, I just want to be left alone. Yep. That's all he wanted. That's a very good, actually, comparison to these guys. Yeah, just, you know, an older gentleman who just wanted to be left alone. These were two, you know, brothers, you know getting up there in age one mm-hmm. was blind one wasn't and they just wanted to be left to their own and they were fearful you know it was one of those things and i think that's much like david byron's but yeah the place kept getting busted into yep. if you haven't checked it out go check up uh, check out our aver oh my god yeah right check tonight out, check out our episode on byron david smith i don't remember what number it is but it's called spitfire and byron we're it's called Spitfire and Byron because we're creative. We're creative. Yeah. You know, we've got kudos on that before, our episode names. I think we should. Uh, <laughs> Mainly come from you, so that's probably why. That's why I think we should. Yeah. <laughs> so as rumors of the brothers' unconventional lifestyle spread throughout Harlem, crowds began to congregate outside their home. Now, this is also a time where, like, TV wasn't a thing, you know, social media wasn't a thing. Yeah, that's a good point. This was what they did for a living. Like, you know, let's like, go see these brothers who don't leave their house yeah all right yeah sounds like a I good time yeah, I don't understand <laughs> that, to be honest but yeah i'll meet you guys in, there yeah, i've grown up in a different era like uh, let's go drink beers by the, the collier's house yeah like okay let's all go hang out down by the old creepy guy's place like i'll be like what the, no yeah, like, it's a on. terrible fucking idea maybe it's one of those things where it was like i mean i'm just speculating this is nothing reported but Maybe it's like, you know, the witch's house, like that kind of thing where it's like the creepy witch that never comes outside. Yeah, but even, I'm the type to even tell you that's a terrible idea. (laughs) It's just not a good call, man. One time, Matt, Hannah, who's been in a few episodes, and I tried to go, what were we, like ghost hunting, something ridiculous? That's what we said. A haunted road. (laughs) We went, and it was like just starting to get dark. All three of us were like, nope, okay, bye. Nope, nope, that wasn't going to happen. That's how far we got when we went to the creepy houses. So, teenagers threw rocks at their windows, and after that happened, they really started to shut down Matt. They yeah. boarded up their doors, wired the doors shut, boarded up the windows, and, and he really made sure that they were left alone. Like, it, And, of course, you know, people throwing things at their houses is so ridiculous and rude and 
Stop. I mean, yeah, they were mistreated uh, for yeah. sure. And, and that definitely perpetuated their fears. They were afraid of these people moving into their neighborhood. They were afraid of the changes going on in society. And people were vandalizing their place. So it, it made them more eccentric and it also made them more fearful. So it made them act a little bit, you know, a little bit different. Bit odd. Yeah. So after unfounded rumors spread throughout the neighborhood that the brother's home contained valuables and large sums of money, several people attempted to burgle the home. So much like David Byron Smith, he was literally, like, they were, they were like, tortured. It's he was like, harassed. Yeah, yeah. No one, like, you know what I mean? It's like these people are almost fully a product of their environment. And we've already discussed Byron David Smith and what we think about all of that. And I don't ever think you should kill people, but that whole stand your ground argument. But, like, this... You, why why can't you just leave these guys alone? I don't understand. Like, why is that a thing? I don't think I've ever had it in me to, like, go harass my neighbors. No. Oh, you well, I, mean? I can't say that. When I was a little kid, we used to do some shit, but... <laughs> Actually, yeah. I, I can understand the allure of, like, doing some mischievous things, but, like, leave these guys alone. Right. Now, in another attempt to exclude burglars... Langley used his engineering skills to construct booby traps and different tunnels among the collection of items and trash that filled the house. A little odd, just a little. <laughs> just a little bit. The house soon became a bizarre maze of boxes, complicated tunnel systems consisting of junk and trash rigged with tripwires. Mind you, the only two people that are in this house are a blind man and his brother. Yep. And they rigged their house with booby traps. Because they were so afraid these kids this, or whoever was going to burgle them. This, this is a real life Criminal Minds episode. <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like, damn, like rumors spread and it's all for nothing. Like this place is full of trash, not gold. I have no idea what anybody would possibly think. Like, oh, let's go break into their house. Like, what? Right? It's just, I don't understand. And Homer and Langley lived in what people would describe as quote unquote nests created amongst the debris that were piled to the ceiling. They literally built themselves little nests out of trash to just hide away in, in their own home. Can you imagine no. that? And especially being the blind one. Yeah, that, that's what I'm like, saying. How did he get around? Yeah. <laughs> how did he know how to... I don't even know. Like, what? Yeah, what happened? How did he navigate his fucking house? Like, right, with tripwires? Like, don't go left! <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's dead. Well, Matt, we're gonna find out. We'll see. Yeah, don't. We'll see. So Lingley later told a reporter that he fed and bathed his brother, read him classic literature, and as he could no longer see him, played piano uh, sonatas for him. Is that it? Sonatas. Piano sonatas. Yes, yeah, sonatas. Yeah, he played piano sonatas for him. He also tended to Homer's health and was determined to cure his brother's physical ailments through quote diet and rest. Mm, yeah, me we don't too. Know how well that works. Me too, man. To cure blindness. So Lingley concocted a diet for his brother consisting of, get this, Matt, 100 oranges a week, black bread, which I'm not sure what that is, yeah, peanut butter. like a bad thing. And he claimed that regimen was curing Homer's blindness. So, Matt, apparently the cure to blindness is black bread, oranges, and peanut butter. Uh, I ain't eating black bread, so if I ever go blind, I guess I'm fucked. All right, black, just so you know, black bread is also called rye bread. Oh, I like rye bread. Okay, I'd and be fine. And 100 oranges. You think you're going to stay, 
good eyesight forever. I like oranges. <laughs> and peanut butter. I like peanut butter. I would spread peanut butter on the oranges, and I would have rye bread toast with it. I'd be seeing like a motherfucking hawk, dude. (laughs) So, time went on, and unfortunately, Homer became paralyzed due to inflammatory rheumatism. Uh. He refused to seek professional medical treatment because both brothers distrusted doctors along with, you know, the rest of society. They didn't really trust anybody. They weren't about trusting, I suppose. Stop trying to be God. I just don't, I don't understand. But, I mean, there are people... I mean, they clearly had some some dissociative issues as far as everybody. They weren't into talking to anybody about anything. Like we said, they were obviously recluse and they wanted to just be... Now, the brothers feared that if Homer sought medical attention, doctors would cut his optic nerve, which would leave him permanently blind and give him drugs that would hasten his death. Okay. So they are really concocting ideas of why it was a bad idea to see doctors. And, uh, you know, okay, sometimes there is malpractice and some craziness out there, but more often than not, you know, I at least I like to believe doctors are out there for the most part to help you, but who knows? A business is a business is a business is a business. Money. Uh, I'll say what you just said and echo that. Yeah. So Langley later told a reporter, quote, you must remember that we are the sons of a doctor. We have medical, uh, we have a medical library of 15,000 books in this house. We decided we would not call any doctors. You see, we knew too much about medicine, end quote. Which he does have like a point there, but you're still not doctors. Like you could read all the literature you want, but I mean, you're still not doctors. Yeah, it's still bullshit in my mind. Yeah. It's all bullshit. Now, Langley did begin venturing out of the house, but only after midnight, and he would walk miles all over the city to get food, sometimes going as far as Williamsburg, Brooklyn, to buy as little as a loaf of bread. You know, they like their rye bread, Matt. I mean, hey. (laughs) And they got great bread in Brooklyn, but am I walking there in the middle of the damn night from Harlem? Yeah. No. No, I was just in New York on Friday. I walked about 18 blocks and I was not oh, feeling it. Yeah, move my back. I think you got back here. I don't know. I did not notice. Oh, we packed up my car and loaded the fucker up and drove it across three states <laughs> and came back here and did it. Oh, that's um, nice. I'm going to New York this weekend. We're all about New York. We're all about it. I love that city. So, step trying to play God Almighty. <laughs> venturing out for bread and he would also pick food out of the garbage and collect food that was going to be thrown away by grocers yeah his, his brother was blind he didn't notice the damn difference so yeah let's just oh, get it out of the trash like, like I, Jesus. it just makes me think of when like we and Dave would go dumpster dive for Lay's chips no 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 listen there was a difference those chips were quote unquote expired <laughs> Now, I will ask you people like, out there and all our listeners, we always ask for feedback, and I would appreciate some on this. Have you ever had an expired chip in an unopened bag? <laughs> That's because there ain't... That episode title. Wait, hold on. All right, save that. Save that. Save that. Because there ain't no such thing. I'll tell you that right now. There's no such thing. I have had them. Dave, I will give you a shout-out right now. My oldest friend on the planet. We love you. Love you, brother. He and I and several other people in our hometown, an expired chip in an unopened bag. 
it does not exist. So these things would be like two weeks over their quote unquote expiration date. We would sneak over the fence, go right up to the dumpster where they threw them out, and Dave at one point had a car full, a trunk full of chips. No, no, no. I'm talking like the family bags. Yeah, yeah, like. We selling them in the parking lot at the high school for so four bucks, you know, like making a little profit. So funny. <laughs> God. But I mean, also like I mean, they, they fixed the fence, guys. Don't worry, we don't still do that. <laughs> yeah, that was back in that was in high school. That was a long time ago. Um, Nairo also as well. Shout out yeah, to Nairo for the uh, yeah. But Nairo and I before our AP history test, instead of actually studying for the test, we. We went and got some chips from the Lay's factory, and then we went and watched School of Rock. That was it. We got threes on that AP test, so it was cool, man. Shout out. But what I was going to say is a lot of the times restaurants do throw out Mm -hmm. good things, like things that are still edible, which breaks my heart because you should be donating that to people that, you know, could use it. There's not that good of programs for food donations, unfortunately. Like, they don't have stuff like that, really. It's like... I don't necessarily think they're, like, taking, like, banana peels and, like, bringing no. them back. Like, they're getting, you know, pretty decent food. No, and... for sure, but... So, yeah, so that was something he also did. He dumpster dived. I don't know what dumpster diving would look like at a butcher's place, though. That's kind of gross. It's disgusting, honestly. Um, <laughs> but they collected countless pieces of abandoned items and trash that aroused his interest. So, back to the hoarding aspect of this. They mm-hmm. were definitely collecting things that they really didn't need in their home. Now, by the by, the early 1930s, the brothers Brownstone had fallen into disrepair. Their mm. telephone was disconnected in 1937 and was never reconnected as the brothers said that they had no one to talk to. Just kind of sad. Like, again, this is kind of, like, depressing. The brothers failed to pay their bills, and because of this, their electricity, water, and gas were turned off in 1938. They took to warming the large house using only a small kerosene heater. For a time... What? Yeah. Their whole house. For a time, Langley attempted to generate electricity by means of a car engine. That doesn't sound... That sounds like a fucking terrible idea. Yeah. Don't try that at home. Yeah, we have carbon monoxide poisoning now. Yeah. (laughs) Don't do that. Langley would fetch their water from a pump in nearby parks. Their only link to the outside world was via a crystal radio that Langley made. Neighbors and shopkeepers in the area described Langley as a generally polite and rational man, but added that he was, quote, crazy, unquote. So that kind of Okay, yeah. Very rational, crazy guy. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, one of them, huh? At least he was polite. Yeah, he was nice. Yeah, he was a real friendly guy, though, you know. A little odd. As he was coming to blow up your house, (laughs) he was a nice guy. A reporter who interviewed Langley in 1942, because as you can see, they've talked to a lot of reporters who would gather outside of their house, described him as, quote, soft-spoken old gentleman with a liking for privacy, end quote, who spoke in a, quote, low, polite, and cultivated voice, end quote. His appearance was disheveled, no, no doubt, based on the way he lived. He sported a droopy mustache and wore a 1910 voting cap, and his tattered clothes were held together by pins. While Langley ventured outside of the home and occasionally interacted with other people, Homer had not seen or heard fr- had not been seen or heard from since he went blind and retreated from the world in 1933. Wow. Poor Homer. Right? 
Right? It's just like, was he not allowed? Did he not want you for real? Was Homer or was Langley the one that was like, nah? That's what I wonder. How much of that was of his own volition and how much of it was him just being like... I can't like, imagine you'd be like, yes, I would love to stay inside. Some people are, though. You don't I know. know. I know, but like, ugh, I can't imagine. Langley was fiercely protective of Homer and would not allow anyone to see or speak to him. So Ooh. people did try, but Langley said, hell no. You're not going to talk to my brother. You're not going to corrupt his mind. And when he caught neighbors attempting to peek into their windows from a neighboring home, Langley bought the neighboring property for $7,500 cash. Where do you get the fucking money? <laughs> Probably his inheritance. Wow. Right? He was that about that. Yeah, they were all about their privacy so much so that he literally bought the house. Can you imagine having the money to do that? My oh my. I having the money to buy my neighbor's house i'm pretty sure drake wrote a song about that didn't he say really bought a neighbor's house that they complain about the noise man <laughs> <laughs> he took a note out of their book he did yeah these guys were the truth man they right. actually went out and were like yo noise complaint it's cool how much you want for the place <laughs> like so when a small fire broke out in the home in 1941, Langley refused to let firemen who extinguished the fire see or speak to his brother. This is a little odd to me. Like, what if Homer wants some interaction that's not just from you, bro? Yeah, what if Homer thinks you're a dick? Right? Like, he probably thinks you're a little bit, like, loose in the head, but I guess you're acting as his eyes, so I don't know. I don't know what the relationship was like. Langley was just a weird dude, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. In 1932, shortly before Homer went blind, he purchased the property across the street from their house at, two, at 2077 Fifth Avenue with the intent of developing it by putting up an apartment building. But after the onset of his blindness, of course, any plans of profit from the real estate venture ended. And that's not to say blind people cannot hold jobs or you know own property. I'm just saying in this particular situation, he was literally thrown into a house by his brother and kind of like locked away from the world. Um, so that's, I'm just talking about necessarily this situation is not, you know, what everyone can do with, you know, disabilities or blindness, blindness. Since the brothers never paid any of their bills and stopped paying income taxes in 1931, the property was repossessed in the city of New York by 1943 to pay the 1900 in, in back income taxes that they owed the city. Langley protested the repossession of their property, saying that since they had no income, they should not have to pay income taxes. I wish that's the way that worked. In response to a query about the bundles of newspapers that were kept in their brother's home, Langley replied, quote, I am saving newspapers for Homer so that when he regains his sight, he can catch up on the news. End quote. So it kind of seems like Langley had like a weird fantasy that... That he was like curing him. Yeah. Yeah. Locking him away from the world was going to cure his blindness. He's like, bro. one day... He's like, hey, bro, do me a favor. Pass me another orange. He's like, yo, I cannot see. <laughs> He's like, yo, you'll be fine. Yeah. Just pass me another orange. We just need to get all these oranges in you, get you that vitamin. Get some rye bread while you're at it, too. Right? Well, that's. I think it sounds like you know he was trying to protect his brother from what was going on outside of their house and didn't want him to know what was going on until he believed that he could see and, you know, act I think he was lying to him, though. Yeah. Telling a good bit of lying the whole time. Yeah. You know? It seemed like he was kind of giving him false hope, and at the same time, he was kind of trying to prop up his own dreams. Yeah. Well, in November 1942, the Bowery Savings Bank began eviction procedures and sent a cleanup crew to the home. 
Now, of course, this upset the brothers, mainly Langley, because it doesn't really sound like Homer had much of an opinion on anything, or he didn't, he wasn't allowed to really have an opinion on anything. And he began yelling at the workers, prompting the neighbors to summon the police. When the police attempted to force their way into the home, however, they had to smash down the front door, but they were stymied. Stymied, exactly. Stymied by a sheer wall of junk piled from floor to ceiling. They literally could not bust down this door because of how much garbage they had in their house. I like your defenses, but I'm also embarrassed for your cleanliness. Right? They found Langley in a clearing he had made in the middle of the debris. Can you just imagine busting down the door and you just see this like quaint old man just like standing in the middle of just this like mess, just like a nice little clearing, just like standing there? God. It's me, Langley. <laughs> Without wow. comment, Langley made out a check for six thousand seven hundred dollars, which is the two thousand and seventeen equivalent of a hundred thousand three hundred and fifty dollars, paying off the mortgage in full in a single payment. Wow. All of that, and he could afford it the entire time. He ordered everyone off of the premises and withdrew from outside scrutiny once more, emerging only at night when he wanted to file criminal complaints against intruders, get food, or collect items that piqued his interest to add to his hoarding collection. On March 21st, 1947, an anonymous tipster who identified himself only as, quote, Charles Smith, quote, phoned the 122nd police precinct, and insisted that there was a dead body in that house. What? Yeah. The caller claimed that the smell of decomposition was emanating from the building. As the police were used to calls from neighbors about the brother's home, a patrol officer was dispatched. The responding officer initially had a difficult time, again, getting into the house because it was so full of trash, but there was no doorbell or telephone, the doors were locked, and though the basement windows were broken, they were protected by iron grill work because they really boarded up their home from intruders. They really wanted to make sure nobody was able to get in. So yeah, emer- they done a good job. They piled up enough shit where they couldn't even kick the door in. Right? An emergency squad of seven men eventually had no choice but to begin pulling out all of the junk that was blocking their way and throwing it out onto the street below. That was probably a sight to see. The Brownstones Fourier... Fourier... Foyer. The brownstones foyer was packed solid by a wall of old newspapers, folding beds, and chairs, half of a sewing machine, boxes, parts of a wine press, and numerous other pieces of junk. Because again, Langley was quite the collector. Quite is quite the word to <laughs> use. A patrolman finally broke in through a window into a second story bedroom. Behind this window lay, among other things, more packages and newspaper bundles, empty cardboard boxes lashed together with rope, the frame of a baby carriage, which why did they have that, a rake, and old umbrellas tied together. Wow. Now get this, Matt. Impressive. Five hours of digging. Five hours. Digging through trash. Homer's body was found in an alcove surrounded by filled boxes and newspapers that were piled to the ceiling. What the fuck? It took them five hours to find his dead body. In his house? In his house. What the hell was his brother talking to the whole time? I don't know. We don't know when he passed away. Oh, my God. 
Homer was wearing a tattered blue and white bathrobe. His matted gray hair reached his shoulders and his head was resting on his knees. The medical examiner confirmed Homer's identity and said that the elder brother had been dead for approximately 10 hours. Jesus. According to the medical examiner, Homer died from starvation and heart disease. Oh my God. Horrible combo. Police initially expected that Langley was the man who phoned in the anonymous tip regarding his brother's death and theorized that he had fled the house before police could get there. Though it was later discovered that a neighbor had actually called the police based on a rumor that he heard about the smells. Mm. A police officer was posted outside the home to wait for Langley, but Langley never came back. Now, police began to suspect that Langley was dead when he failed to attend Homer's funeral that was held on April 1st. After the discovery of Homer's body, rumors began circulating that Langley had been seen aboard a bus heading for Atlantic City. So people, this, these are like the like more modern witch type of things, but men. Like, you know what I mean? They, the people just made up rumors, made up lies. Just like, it was kind of like the urban legend of the town that was actually real. Oh, man. A manhunt along the energy, <laughs> manhunt along the New Jersey shore turned up nothing. And reports of Langley sightings led police to a total of nine different states. So people are just calling in left and right saying, you know, I think we see him. He's here. Come check. Come get him. There are a whole bunch of them. Right? The police continued searching the house, removing 3,000 books, several outdated phone books, a horse's jawbone. The fuck? A Steinway piano, an early X-ray machine, and more bundles of newspapers. Because, again, he was collecting newspapers, so when Homer got his vision back, he could catch up on the years and years and years he was held up in this house. Right. More than 19 tons of junk were removed from the ground floor of the brownstone. 19 tons? tons? Yeah. Jesus. The police continued to clear away the brothers' stockpile for another week, removing another 84 tons of rubbish from the house. Wow, that's the truth, man. I mean, that's how you know you got a problem. <laughs> yeah, right? Imagine cleaning that like shit out. To shame. Yeah, shame. they really do. That's how they try and get them to stop. They embarrass the shit out of them, and yeah. they're like, you need to stop. This is pathetic. Like, and of course, this drew attention. Approximately 2,000 people stood outside the home to watch the cleanup effort. They were just enamored. They had never seen anything like this. Almost 100 tons of things, of garbage, of debris, of random knickknacks were taken from these guys' home, one of which was confirmed dead on the inside. I mean, honestly, at what point? At what point did not did nobody in the neighborhood be like, yo, how's Homer? <laughs> like, you know, like, where's Homer been? And well, apparently don't see them. Yeah, that's true, but at the same time, I'm like... She hadn't seen him for years. I guess I'm not the most neighborly, but I would still be like, if you hadn't yeah, seen... Weird. I was actually thinking about this the other day, like, if I was ever, like, kidnapped or something, would my neighbors have any clue? Yeah. Probably not. Probably not, yeah. Don't get any ideas, though. Because <laughs> I have a lot of people who would know. <laughs> um... But unfortunately, not on April. You guys can have her. Oh. <laughs> on April 8th, 1947, a workman ended up finding the body of Langley 10 feet down from where Homer had died. Langley was found in a two foot wide tunnel. He was still in the fucking house. 
This entire time. The whole time. A hundred tons of garbage from this house, and this dead two dead men were inside, and they only knew about one of them. The whole fucking time. He was yeah. in the house, yeah. deader than hell. He was in a two-foot-wide tunnel lined with rusty bed springs and a chest of drawers. Uh, <laughs> it's just like... It's just, like the world's worst haunted house. That's what like, I'm saying. This sounds like a horrifying place to be, like... Yeah. And his decomposing body, which was the actual source of the smell reported by the anonymous tipster... Yeah, that... ...had been partially that, eaten by rats! And was covered by a suitcase, bundles of newspaper, and three metal bed bread boxes. Uh, how did that even all get there if he was dead? I don't oh, know. man, man. Yeah, the medical examiner, Matt, determined that Lingley had died around March 9th. So he was dead even longer than his brother? Yeah. That's why a guy died, because he wasn't feeding himself. Well, so, so what they think happened is that Langley was crawling through the tunnel to take food to his paralyzed brother when he inadvertently tripped on a booby trap he created himself and was crushed by the debris. Oh, my God. His death was attributed to asphyxiation. <laughs> what the hell happened So here? these fucking guys, to try and keep people out of their house, built a massive, like, torture chamber <laughs> filled with garbage and uselessness and then... Died in it. Died in it. The Killed. one died literally because of the booby trap. He booby trapped himself and died, and then the poor, blind, paralyzed guy. Think of his reaction. He was like, Langley! <laughs> what what just fell? Langley! Oh no, that's so sad. Think I about it. Can you imagine the horror? Can you uh, imagine how terrifying? No, that's what I mean. And like the one person that you're relying on to survive is dead somewhere in the home, and you have no, and ten feet away from you, you had no idea. He was probably away. just sitting there, like, well, I would go help, but this motherfucker rigged the whole house to <laughs> kill me if I moved the wrong way. So, right? it's just all horrible and so sad and tragic. Now, both brothers were buried next to their parents in unmarked graves at Cypress Hill Cemetery in Brooklyn, and police and workmen removed approximately 120 tons of debris and junk from their house. Items removed. Right now, you list this off. I think you'll do. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You give me this list. Ready here. I'm. I'm doing this. This is great. You guys ready? This is good. This is good shit here. Items removed. Included. (laughs) Take it away. Baby carriages. A doll carriage. Rusty bicycles. Old uneaten food. Potato peelers. A gun collection. Of course. You have to the gun right. Would it be? Glass chandeliers. Numerous bowling balls. Camera equipment. The folding top of a horse-drawn carriage. So they had a whole whole <laughs> carriage here. They had several carriages here. A sawhorse. Three body forms. Like those mannequins. Oh, shit. I didn't think Jesus. That. Painted portraits. Photos of pinup girls from the early 1900s, plaster busts, Mrs. Collier's hope chests, rusty bed springs, a kerosene stove, a child's chair, and more than 25,000 books, including more, uh, most of them about medicine and engineering and about 2,500 on law. Ready for this? 
This is fucking disgusting. Human organs pickled in jars. Eight live cats. I wonder how many were dead, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. Dead, dead, dead cats. Yeah, they must have found a few dead animals in the house, too. They had a rat problem. They had a cat problem. <laughs> they had a carriage problem. They had a, a body form problem. Um, eight live cats. The chassis of an old Model T with which Langley had been tinkering. Tapestries. Hundreds of yards of unused silks and other fabrics. Clocks. Fourteen. Count them. Fourteen. I can't even fit one in my house. That's what I'm saying. It's bullshit. Fourteen. Grand and upright pianos. A clavichord. Two organs. Two banjos, violins, bugles, accordions, a gramophone and records. So they had a whole fucking orchestra and then could record it if they wanted to. These guys were like Diddy on hoarders. Uh, And countless bundles of newspapers and magazines, some of which were decades old, along with thousand bottles of tin cans. I'm sorry, thousands of bottles and tin cans, along with a great deal of just nothing but garbage. Just total crap. Oh, my God. Near the spot where Homer had died, police also even found 34 bank account passbooks with a total of just over $3,000, which is the equivalent of $37,736 in 2018. Look at like that difference. What do you like? That is called appreciation. Gosh, right? That is so called that is the inflation case and appreciation. Of the Collier brothers. The Collier brothers were some interesting motherfuckers, man. They definitely got into some weird stuff over there. Uh, yeah, RIP to both of them. It's super sad. It's super interesting though. It's like how it did they get to that point? I have no idea. And literally, the way I found that whole entire tale was because uh, I think it was Ranker. dot uh, com. They posted. Um, like a strange like death thing and like the only sentence about this didn't go into detail was basically they died in the booby trap that they created is basically what the gist of it was pretty much so I thought it would make a really interesting WTH3 a little bit longer than our normal ones but we wanted to throw you something special uh, you know while we're working on a new series which we haven't announced yet and we'll announce later Woo! but um but yeah so if you liked the show today thank you for joining us give us five stars like we said, we really appreciate it. It's really nice to read nice reviews, to give us some feedback on how we're doing, what you like, what you don't like, how we can be better, how we can, uh, you know, make your ears happy. So thank you so much for joining us. Remember to hit up our Patreon page if you want to be involved on September 14th when we release the new series, which we will talk about then. Um, yeah, baby. As little as $1 a month, we'll get you access to that and some other goodies. So we're going to have like a whole other series going to really broaden what we talk about in Eye for an Eye, which is really exciting because Eye for an Eye talks about whether or not the punishment fits the crime. The new series is going to, you know, dive into cases that we really can't cover because... And with that, we bid you adieu. Good night. Bye. Life's better with American Family Insurance. 
Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.